Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hello, today we're going to be talking about something that may be familiar to you or not familiar. It's about sharing the good news. Now, when I was growing up, if anybody talked about let's go witnessing is what we used to call it, I would get the heebie-jeebies because I was nervous about talking about my faith. I felt like I had to present it correctly, make sure they understood the right Bible verses. What if I said the wrong verse and then they would go to hell instead of heaven? Um, I was just you know, sort of creeped out about the whole thing. Uh, As I got older and realized how much Jesus meant to me, it it became a little bit easier as it just hopefully flows out of a life that is full of faith. Uh, I don't always feel that way, but I do ask God to fill me up to all his fullness as Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. Um, If you feel like, like that, like you feel like, oh, I can't share the gospel. I'll leave that up to the preacher or the priest or whoever is talking on the radio that you enjoy. Uh, remember that really it's it's a command and it's something that comes um, more naturally the more that you do it. Our pastor spoke on it recently and he was really just preaching about or sharing about um, how Jesus met the woman at the well. And how, um, you know, how he went about sharing the gospel with her. And it's not in what we would say a traditional way. And I'll, I'll leave you with some of those points um, towards the end and give you the link to that message. But today we're talking about living life on purpose. And what, a, what, a, what better purpose than um, sharing salvation news with uh, someone who doesn't no. I mean, today, uh, someone said as a joke uh, to a group of women at the gym, oh, I'll see you down there, meaning in hell. And I thought, you know, I almost raised my hand and said, I can help you with that. But it just wasn't the time. But um, I might ask her about it later. That could be a good lead in if she remembers that she said it. Uh, once I was sitting next to a pretty young woman at brunch after church, and I turned to her and I said, so what are your dreams and plans? And she said, I don't know. She replied with all seriousness. She was in her early 30s. But what I love doing is having people in my home and leading Bible studies. I've done it before, but now I need to move and I want to a new place of my own so that I can invite freely. And I said, Julie, you are doing what God wants you to do. Now just go and do it with joy and freedom, and and I'll pray for the right apartment. I was impressed with her. Julie knew what she loved doing because she'd been practicing it. And she knew God's heart, making disciples, tending sheep, opening her home. She was living a life on mission. You may not have Julie's confidence or experience in following God's dreams and plans, 
but you have her heart. You want to be God's woman. You want to listen to his voice and follow his leading. But you're not sure yet what that looks like in your current circumstances. The last words of Christ to his disciples were very straightforward and clear in Matthew 28, 18 through uh, verse 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's that's where his that's where her, most of his last words right there. He gave them the mission. We call it nowadays the Great Commission, and we put it in all capital letters because we know that Jesus' last words deserve all capital letters. But whenever we hear a message on the topic like we did recently or come across those verses in our reading, we, we might cringe a little or, or wonder how they fit into our everyday life. I mean, really? Those were the disciples. They were, you know, saying goodbye to Jesus almost, and he was telling them what to do. That was for them. You might be asking, how does God want his commandment played out in my life? I'm not a missionary in a foreign country. I have three kids under three, you might say. I need to work outside the home. I don't have time for that. Or I have aging parents. How do I do the Great Commission right now, right here? I've had those same questions. I still struggle wondering what God wants from me on any given day. I don't think he minds that things aren't crystal clear in our minds. And I think that's something we need to remember. He doesn't care that we don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. He just wants our lives completely surrendered to him today. He likes it that I'm focused on how to obey him. That shows my love for him, says that in John 15. He wants me to live a life on mission. And if you are a believer, he wants you to live a life on mission too. And how we do that will look different from one another. How I do it will most likely look different from how it looks in your life. And that's okay. Now, I love it that the Great Commission starts with God and it ends with God. You and I don't go by ourselves. He is with us. He never leaves us. He gives us the time, the opportunity, and the words. We just step into those gifts. It reminds me of my word of the year. I receive these opportunities, the opportunities that God gives me when my mind is on him, on a heart to obey him, like Jesus had that opportunity to talk to the woman at the well, and he took advantage of it. I receive the opportunities and I receive the wisdom. I need to ask God for wisdom every day. I receive the timing. You say, well, I don't have time. Well, God will put it in your life if you're open. It will just be part of your day. At the gym today, this gal um, asked me about my hair color and we started chatting and I thought, well, she's never talked to me before. And so at the end of the gym class, I asked her what her name was and what she did. And we had a really great discussion. And I said, hey, I'm busy this week, but would you like to get together for coffee? Only 24. I'd love to talk to her further. Get to know how, uh, get to know how she is faring and how God could meet her needs. Jesus began by saying, in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Matthew 28, 
And then he wraps it up with, and surely I am with you always. See, we don't do this by ourselves. Starts with him and it ends with him. And then whatever we do in between those two truths is up to us to work out the best we can, given our gifts, given our time, and given our talents. My friend Ren Robbins had some good things to say about gifts from God in the podcast last month. Make sure you listen to that one. So encouraging. Now I have three girlfriends all named Jenny. They live on mission, but they all do it in all their own ways. It's not the same at all. Jenny, number one, runs a cafe in town. Much thought and prayer is given to each decision she makes. She sees her staff as people to guide and to love and to mentor and to draw to Jesus. She welcomes her customers as God has welcomed her. Jenny, number two, adopted four kids. She and her husband adopted four kids. She has God's heart for children, her own and the world's. Jenny loves to sew. And so she sews minstrel kits for young girls in Africa. And she runs the crafts for a foster kid camp. Jenny, number three, sells skincare. She sings on her worship team. And she's auditioning soon for a local theater group. Her goal is to influence middle-aged women to be at their best for Jesus. And she takes risks daily like trying out for this theater production, she's scared. She wants to make sure that these women that she mentors and talks to can do all they can to further God's kingdom. And that's what I want to do too. These remarkable women live the Great Commission distinctly and uniquely in their families, at work, in town, and the world. All three check in often with God and with one another to make sure that they're doing all God has called them to do. And they take the words of Jesus to heart, I will never leave you. You and I can do the same. We go, we make disciples, using the unique framework of our talents, gifts, and time. And what a comfort that God bookends our actions with His sovereignty and with his presence, we are never alone. A parallel passage to Matthew 28 is Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jesus said, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I don't know about you, but I figure my neighborhood is my Jerusalem. If I can't get that right, how can I go into all the rest of the world? Now, some of you know that I have lived in foreign countries um, more than once. And also, raising our kids, we've had many students from abroad live with us. I know from experience that it's really much easier to strike up a conversation about God with someone from another country than it is with the people you meet at the mailbox or while walking your dog. Unto All the World started with Mike and Louise across the street. They came for dinner recently. It was a little weird. We've known them for 28 years or so. They've been over here in large groups or when Mike cut his finger and Mark stitched it up in the garage without anesthesia. Mark has his own style of loving our neighbors and then I stay out of the garage at different times. But it was a beginning. 
we feel closer to them having sat across the table, which is more intimate than waving across the road. You knew I couldn't get away with talking without talking about hospitality. As believers, I don't think we only meet others' needs. We also present the gift of our need. As Joe Aldrich writes in his classic book, Lifestyle Evangelism, If I'm always the one to bring the meal or help with kids and never show others I could use a meal or help with my schedule, I don't allow the unbeliever to see my true and vulnerable, needy self. Sharing common ground, writes Aldrich, earns us the right to be heard. Think about it. Do your neighbors know when you're needy? Our neighbors worked alongside of us throughout our remodel. They've helped us find our lost dog. They've watched our kids and they've brought us meals. Why do we do this? This is why. I never want others to think that I'm their savior. I want my life to point them to the only savior, a savior I need as much as they do. When I sit with my Bible in my quiet time chair each morning, I can see my neighbor's house. I pray for opportunities to bring Jesus to them whether it's something I say to them or do for them or need from them. They are my Jerusalem, and I'm grateful. And guess what? I'm not called to your Jerusalem. I'll probably never share the gospel with one of your neighbors. It's your responsibility. It's your Jerusalem. Now, God may call you beyond the border or across the state, but while waiting for the call, there's always that couple down the street, and that call is loud and clear. What do we do to share the gospel? As Christ followers, we never need wonder what to write on our daily to-do list. Go and make disciples, Jesus said. Okay, that should be at the top of the list. Now, I'm glad he kept the list short. I have trouble remembering long lists. It reminds me of another short list. Love God, love your neighbor. I told my dear husband at one time, at one point, that I wanted to love my neighbors to Jesus, but I wasn't sure what to do about it. First, I said in no uncertain terms, I'm rarely uncertain, Mark, let's have the whole neighborhood for dinner. And I didn't mean the same night. I just meant, you know, night after night. And what I received was a classic deer in the headlights response from Mark, the poster child for introverts. I went on, we have 90 homes in our neighborhood. If we host three dinners a week, dividing 90 by three, we'd be done in 30 weeks, not quite a year. Now, I was game to do this, but I wondered if I might lose my husband in the process. I also figured if we invited one family per month, I might still be making casseroles serving eight to 10 in glory before completing the task. I needed a new plan to carry out the Great Commission. Remember the story of the two fish and five loaves. Jesus worked with what his disciples found to feed the 5,000, and they didn't find much. In Matthew 14, you find the story. He looked around and found what he could see, and those were five loaves and two fish. So I looked around to see what I had. And what I had were lemons galore, many Californians do. And maybe every third neighbor has a lemon tree in my neighborhood. Never mind, I went to work. 
I bagged up some lemons and I added a note from your neighbors at 71 Mariposa, Sue and Mark Donaldson. I included a recipe to make it personal. This is my dad's favorite lemon cake recipe. Why not? Cake does wonders for most situations. I left little bags on porches. I passed out lemon cake to those who already had lemon trees and I started getting bags of oranges at my front door. I was on my way to loving my neighbors and searching Pinterest for what to do with oranges. Now, in 29 years of living here, I had never had a conversation with my Pakistani neighbor a few doors down, only a little hello here and there. The following Sunday, he stood at my doorstep, shyly handing me oranges from their tree, and a little note stating that they were grown without pesticides. He protested when I offered some lemon cake. Oh no, I have to take care of my waistline. I gave him two pieces anyway in a ceramic dish. That way I thought he will need to return it. And he did, with more oranges. I called that the great neighbor caper with lemons. Next, I'm asking God for a harvest of avocados from our tree. If you are stopped not knowing how to carry out the Great Commission, start with what you have. God loves taking what we offer him and multiplying it for his purposes. So when do we start? My sister Lori's life verse is Ephesians 5.16. Redeem the time for the days are evil. That's in the old King James Version. Another version shows clearly how to gauge our days. It, it reads, make the most of your time. And my personal favorite is making the most of every opportunity. Time is a gift. My friend wrote recently that time is the currency of love. Isn't that beautiful? When we give people our time, we're showing them God's love. God knows we always want more time, but all he requires of our time, short or long, is that we make the most of what we have. I need to give him my day, my time, and my trust. When I do, I am reassured that whatever the day holds, I'll be making the most of every opportunity for his kingdom. I'm more likely to redeem my time when I pray my morning verse. I love my morning verse. I'm tempted to paint it on the ceiling of my bedroom so I don't forget to pray it before getting out of bed. Psalm 143.8 Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. That's why it's my morning verse. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I put my trust in thee. That's how I start. Asking him to show me the way where I should walk. Do you have a morning verse? Start with Psalm 143.8 and maybe some paint. Bob Goff told me when I interviewed him, my life goal is to be available. That's his legacy. I love that idea, except when I'm busy doing something and would rather not be interrupted. I don't want to be available. Living on mission includes interruptions. Look at Jonah. He was content working at home, but God said, go to Nineveh. Obviously, Jonah didn't care for God's interruption. He eventually fulfilled God's direction, but he went a very long way around, which included a big fish, and he wasn't very happy about it. Living on mission includes going out of our way. Look at Jesus and the woman at the well. He could have skipped Samaria. 
People would have expected him to. They didn't like the Samaritans, but he didn't. He went out of his way. He went to that well and spoke to a woman on purpose. And living on mission includes complete surrender to God's timing. Look at Abraham and Sarah. They prayed for a child. They laughed when they were told they were going to have one. And then they had a baby at a very late age. Living on mission includes interruptions. It includes going out of our way. And it includes complete surrender to God's timing. Doing the Great Commission includes God's timing, which is not always mine. I texted a new friend from work. Karen, do you want to come for coffee? A different Karen texted me right back. Not the Karen I had in mind, someone way across uh, town. And she said, sure, I can come now. Oh, no, I didn't mean that, Karen, and I didn't mean coffee as in now. I was packing for a women's retreat where I'd be speaking. I felt interrupted. But I wrote back, of course, and I started up the coffee maker. Come on over. And she did. In the next little while, I'd found out that Karen had lost her mom when she was very young and that she was expecting their first child. And it didn't take me long to realize that this Karen was not an interruption. She was God's appointment. She was right where she needed to be at my table at that time, sharing her life from across town. I just love that story because it was not the one, what I would have expected of my text. I got mixed up and God worked it all out. What do you need to do to be ready to love your neighbor? Clear your schedule. Pray and watch God interrupt your life. Bake a cake. Share some lemons. Now you may have paused with number one and not heard the rest of the list. Clear your schedule. I intentionally limit my meetups with believers. I love and I need my Christian friends and they need me. I met with Lori Baldwin yesterday. I'll meet with my mentor later this week. But in the end, I'll see them in glory. So I try to keep part of my schedule cleared. That's what I mean by clearing your schedule. So I'm available to those who don't know Jesus yet. I asked God how to love my neighbors, believers and non-believers alike, and this is what happened. Josie needed a ride to the doctors. Kim and Jeff asked for help weeding the strip park at the end of the block. Ruth needed a ride to work. Mary needed a surprise birthday party. Colin and Dash needed dinner and TV with cable. Mary needed to get out of the house and come for tea and cookies along with Liz and Carol. Christine needed to talk about mothering and a vegetarian lunch. Katie needed a walk around the block with her newborn. My adopted college student Freya needed to meet this newborn next door with the same name. Josie needed advice on her son's wedding. Cindy needed to talk about making her marriage more like she wanted it to be. We sat in front of a cozy fire and prayed through our marriages. Some of these were interruptions. Some of these I had to go out of my way. The phrase, redeeming the time, came to mind. I decided not to worry about my time. I had thought I needed to write another book. I still may. But today, I'm loving my neighbors. When we're available, we live on mission, and we never have to wonder, am I living out the Great Commission? You are. 
with all capital letters. I will put my recipe, my dad's favorite lemon cake recipe, in the show notes because you can't go wrong with cake. Something Pastor Tim said this week was that we all need Jesus and we need to study Jesus' way of sharing the gospel. We don't need to be afraid of failing. And if we never try, we'll never know. Evangelism is a spiritual gift for some, but it's a calling and a command for all Christians. Jesus engages with a gentle, gracious, loving care. That could be four steps of evangelism. Speak and relate with gentleness, grace, love, and care. And God will bring the fruit. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, if you belong to a church and they have women's events, I'd love to speak at your next women's event. I think I say that at the end, but I want want you to know that, hey, I'm 70, and I would really like to speak a lot this year or maybe the next, because when I'm 80, I probably won't want to do it. So give me a call. Email me at sue at welcomeheart.com. I have eight retreat series and a bunch of keynotes, maybe 16. And I'm happy to relate to your theme, however you want to do it, if you give me enough time. Sue at welcomeheart.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, and you have a fruitful day. And be sure to make a cake. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.